Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 2. This is the woman talking to her new husband. She says, I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to instruct me. I would cause you to drink of spiced wine, of the juice of my pomegranate. His left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? I awakened you under the apple tree. There your mother brought you forth. There she who bore you brought you forth. And then she says to her husband, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames, whose flames? Love's flames, are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. And then my version and several versions of the Bible have a footnote there next to a most vehement flame. And it says, literally, the flame of God. Many waters cannot quench love. What does quench mean? It means put out fire. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give, to love, give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. The first point I want to make today is that if you read the Song of Songs, you realize that sex is not a surprise to God. God invented sex. Did you know that? Did you know that when a person has a feeling, a desire, a, 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 a need for sex, you know who put that in there in the first place? It wasn't the devil. It was God. And it was supposed to be very very good, extremely good. God designed it right in the beginning. Before there was sin in the Garden of Eden, God designed a man and a woman to complement one another and for there to be sexual intimacy. And in fact, it was a picture, and we see this throughout the Bible, but especially in Ephesians 5, it says, Paul in Ephesians 5 is describing marriage and, and love between a man and a woman. And he says, women, men really need you to respect them. They want you to say, wow, you're great and I respect your opinion. Men really need the woman to love. Uh, sorry, the woman really needs the man to love her and to cherish her and tell her how special she is. And then he says, I'm talking about marriage, but actually I'm not really talking about marriage. I'm talking about the church and Jesus Christ and our relationship with God. And we see throughout the Bible again and again, God calls his people, his bride, and he says, I will be a husband to you. And there's this relationship where the marriage relationship is a mirror or a, a, a picture of God and his people. And right in the beginning, the three parts of the human being 
I'm just going to give you a bit, bit of a recap about this body, soul, and spirit. Do you remember? We talk about this so much in church. Your body is your fleshly, physical part. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions in the middle. Your spirit is that part of you which God put in you, which is going to live forever and which relates to God. But in the beginning, body, soul, and spirit were all one. And the three types of love that the Bible talks about, agape, which is the spiritual love, Phileo, which is the soul love, and Eros, which is the physical love. They were all interlinked in the Garden of Eden. There was no problem. There was, there was never a misunderstanding. There was never a, a, a lack of openness. There was never shame. The man and the woman were naked and they were not ashamed. There was never um, manipulation. There was never trying to, trying to get something out of the other one. There was never a problem with love. The agape, that commitment love, the, the brotherly affection love of phileo, and the sexual love, eros, all worked together as one. It was hard to separate them. They worked in unison as they were designed, body, soul, and spirit, man and woman together, no shame, no problem. Love is from God. Sex is from God. But because of sin, the spirit and the body were split apart, and so the spirit was separated from God, and, and, and there was a wrenching, and you got body, soul, and spirit as three distinct parts of our, of our makeup now, and those three types of love were split apart. So now you get agape love a little bit, that kind of deep spiritual commitment, sacrificial love. You get that a little bit, even if you're not a believer. The affection, brotherly, compassion, love, you get, but it's fractured. And the eros, the sexual part of love, you get it, but it's all weird and perverted and twisted and messed up. So you get people trying to have the body love without any of the companionship love and without any of the spiritual love, and they're trying to fulfill all three just in the, in the body type of love, and they're wondering why they're unfulfilled. And we've got to such a point now where you can still see, if you try hard, the fingerprints of God's initial design in love, but it's been so weirdly mixed up and twisted that you've got every imaginable weirdness being um, purported as love. Weird desires. People who are born with sexual desires that are all twisted and out of God's original design. And, and they say, well, I was just made this way. Yes, but it, that's not how God wanted it because uh, because of sin, the whole human race, we've got all out of proportion and all twisted up. And I want to show you today from this passage that actually we can recapture the beauty of what God wants and it can be this amazingly beautiful thing. So my first point is sex and love comes from God. It's the very flame of God, Song of Songs says. Number two, it's powerful. Many waters cannot quench it, nor can the floods drown it. It is a powerful, powerful thing. You know, um, I've watched a few documentaries about sex offenders being put into prison. And the psychologists being interviewed say that when a person has their sexual drive mixed up 
um, to where they link it with violence and they want to kill people, it is almost impossible to cure that, the, the psychologists say. They really battle. They really, really battle. And I feel like sh shouting to the TV screen, yes, but God, God is able, God can. But I want to say to you that this drive is such a powerful thing. You know, I heard a story once where they were likening our uh, sexual drive and also this need for love. Because remember, they were supposed to all be one. The, the spiritual commitment love, the companionship and compassion love, and the sexual love were supposed to all be one, but because of sin, they've been weirdly changed and separated. But I heard a story once where this person said, many people, especially Christians have a tiger living in their house, which is the sexual love. But they want to pretend, they think, if I can just pretend the tiger's not there, it won't eat me. <laughs> and so I'll tiptoe around the house. And some days I can go into the kitchen, the lounge, the dining room, the bathroom, and I don't even see the tiger. And I think, it's, it's not there. I don't have this part of me, this powerful thing that is like the very flame of God in me. I don't have that anymore. And then every, every now and again, they walk around a corner and the tiger bites them. And I want to say to you, the answer is not to try and pretend it doesn't exist. The answer is to get the furniture in the right place and then a fire with the right context in a fireplace or in a barbecue or wherever it is, in a combustion engine. A fire in the right context is a beautiful, powerful thing. To pretend the tiger's not there will result in you getting eaten, my friend. But to learn how God sees this whole thing working is a powerful and beautiful thing. So, what is the furniture? Let me read that couple of verses again. She starts off by saying, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. That's like our wedding ring. That word seal is used as a signet ring in many other places of the Bible. It talks about permanence and covenant. She's saying, put me in a permanent place in your heart and put me in a permanent place on your arm so people know we are married. Friend, the first place of furniture for a fire is between a man and a woman in a relationship where they have covenanted. Covenant means promising before God. It's different to contract, which is signing on a piece of paper. Covenant means in front of God, we say we are committed to this thing for richer, for poorer, sickness and in health, whatever happens, we are married forever and nothing will break it. That is the context for marriage. Again and again and again throughout the Bible, we see that when people covenant together, God says, I bless, I bless that union. And then you get the agape and the phileo and the eros love being expressed in its fullness. The first piece of furniture is a lifelong commitment in front of God that cannot be broken. And that kind of makes sense. 
You know, if, if it is this flame of God, and if it is a representation of God's relationship with us and, and our love with Him, then it should be in the context of a lifelong commitment. It's a bit like glue. In fact, um, when it speaks of one flesh in the Bible, I'm just going to give you the references. I'm not going to go into all the verses in detail, but in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, it talks about a man and a woman will leave their father and mother, be united. That talks about covenant, and then they will become one flesh. And it, it talks about them becoming one in a weird mystical way. And then in 1 Samuel 18, a covenant was made, not a sexual covenant, between two friends, Jonathan and David. And it says they became one soul. And then in Malachi 2, he says, God says, you've broken faith with the wife of your youth and your spirit was made one. And watch out for your spirit, he says, because you were one in spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, he talks about being made one flesh and one spirit with people you sleep with. And so he says, don't sleep with lots of people, especially those you're not married to. Because you are joined to God and you're one spirit with Him and you're part of His body. It's a mystical thing. And it's like glue. That one flesh word is like glue where you stick two pieces of paper together. And then if you try and rip them apart, parts of each page get transferred onto the other page and they get ripped and damaged when they're brought apart. We were never designed to have sexual intimacy with someone and then split apart. It's just not in our makeup. It's not part of our design specifications. So the first piece of furniture is a lifelong commitment. And I believe there are many people who are hurt inside emotionally. I've read statistics of mental, psychological, and emotional problems caused by sexual promiscuity and especially homosexuality, but any type of sexual promiscuity. And the statistics are horrific how damaging it is to a person's heart and soul and mind, let alone the physical, physical damage that it does to our bodies. But mentally and emotionally, it damages us. And I want to say to you, you might be a walking wounded person because you've been glued to several people and then you've ripped apart and you're wondering why you're feeling like a part of your heart is broken. It's because there is something broken. And I want to say to you, God can fix it. No one else can. Psychologists can't. Drugs and medication can't. God can fix it. And in fact, if you're not married and you, or even if you are married and you still suffering from the consequences of previous broken relationships, you must get that fixed because it will always cause a problem between you and your spouse. So that's the first piece of furniture. The second piece, so the first is a covenant, a, a lifelong covenant. The second piece of furniture is open, passionate relationships. Genesis chapter 2 and 3, the man and woman were naked and they were unashamed. There was nothing hidden. There was no secrets. There was no manipulation or control. They weren't, they weren't trying to use sex and love as a weapon to fix a problem that had occurred somewhere else in their relationship or to fix a need and a, and a problem in their own hearts caused by previous hurts. 
Um, Song of Songs is, I, I must be honest, it's embarrassing to read it. It is embarrassing to read Song of Songs. I mean, just the little portion we read today, I read it and uh, I mean, I feel like I shouldn't be reading it in public because the openness and the passion that is displayed by both the man and the woman in the Song of Songs is eye-watering. It's incredible. You know, in Jewish culture, boys under the age of, I think it's 16, are not allowed to read the Song of Songs. It's, it's a shocking book. Because God says, when the furniture is in place, the fire should burn brightly. And if there isn't a bright fire, there's a problem. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, he says, The marriage bed is undefiled. In other words, there's, there's no holds barred. You, you may have been chaste and you may have avoided sex and thinking about sex before you married, but once you get married, he says, the marriage bed is undefiled. Go for it. Go for it. Have, just express yourselves. I've spoken to many men, but a couple of women as well, who before they were married, they were hoping for and expecting agape love, yes. That commitment, that lifelong commitment. They were hoping and expecting for phileo love, yes. The companionship and friendship and compassion. But the eros love, boy, they were really hoping and expecting for that. And then it didn't happen. And Proverbs 13 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. And I want to say to you, if you are a married person and there is a lack of sex in your marriage, you're missing out on the opportunity to bring a tree of life into your relationship. Let me, let me just speak to you, if you're a, I'm going to just choose one of the genders, but if you're a lady here and you're not sleeping with your husband as often as he would like, I want to say to you, you're missing an opportunity. He chose you. He said, I will not sleep with anyone else on the planet. This is the only source that I will restrict myself for this thing that is so important to me. He loved you. He chose you. And if you block him... A, you're causing hope deferred to make his heart sick. But B, you're missing an opportunity to bring such power and life. It's the very flame of God. You're missing an opportunity to bring a tree of life. That speaks of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Eternal spiritual power pushed into your marriage. Just joy and hope. Suddenly the, the husband's full of confidence and, and happiness. And just everything changes. Why? Because hope was deferred, but now a desire is fulfilled. And you have that opportunity, dear Mrs. or Mr. Don't miss it. And then the last piece of furniture. Um, well, I'll come back to that. So what about, if, what about if you're not married? You know, there's a lot of people who are not in an opportunity to have... Uh, an intimate sexual relationship. There are many people. 
Some people, their spouse has died and they just don't feel they can, they can marry somebody else. Some people, their spouse is sick and they can't, they can't be intimate with anyone. Some people are attracted to someone who's already married to somebody else. Some people are attracted to people of the same sex, same gender. And then there's a whole bunch of other people who are single, maybe they're not yet ready to get married. You know, somebody said to me once, when a 17 or 18 year old starts dating the opposite sex, it's like going into a candy store, a shop with all these sweets, and looking at them and smelling them and reading the descriptions and looking at the colors, but you've got no money in your pocket. You're either gonna steal something or you're gonna leave disappointed. There are many people who, for whatever reason, some have chosen not to be in a sexual relationship. Can I just mention two in the Bible? The Apostle Paul was almost certainly married, and then for whatever reason, many people think his wife left him because he became a Christian. And he said, I've chosen to remain unmarried. In uh, Romans chapter 7, he says, I burn... And in other places, he says, I burn with passion. He definitely was tempted, but he said, I've chosen and I've, and I've worked out a way of being able to take the eros port, portion of love and channel it into the phileo and the agape portion, and I've got fulfillment. Jesus Christ, the Lord that we worship, was a single man. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way, just as we are. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Jesus was tempted, but he said, I will channel the eros portion, and I will channel it into phileo and agape, and I will get fulfillment. It is possible. You know, Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 19 about divorce. Do you know this... Uh, it's a big topic, so I don't have time to go into it. But basically they said to him, Lord, can we get divorced? And in Deuteronomy, Moses had said to them, you can get divorced if there is impurity. And the Pharisees of the day had twisted that to say, if the wife doesn't cook properly, that's impurity, you can get rid of her. And so they said to Jesus, can we get divorced? And he said, only if there's sexual immorality. In other words, only if the other person has slept with someone else can you get divorced. Otherwise, if you get divorced, you must never remarry. Or if you marry someone who is divorced, you're committing adultery. And the disciples were shocked. They said, what? Who would get married then? That just shows what the culture of the day was like. Everyone was sleeping with everyone. They said, what? Why would anyone get married then? And you know what Jesus said in Matthew 19? He said, some people are eunuchs, which means they cannot have sexual intimacy by birth. In other words, there's some problem with their body. He said, some people cannot have sexual intimacy because of something someone has done to them, an operation or an accident. And then he said, some people will not have sexual intimacy for the sake of the kingdom of God. And he didn't say it like it was a tragedy. He said it like it was an amazing thing. And I want to say to you, if you are single, 
the little phrase that keeps coming through the Song of Songs again and again. It says, do not awaken love until it so desires or until the time is right. And I want to just close with this now. Friend, there's a tiger living inside of you. You can put it in the right furniture. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, if you're burning with passion, marry. Marry. If you can't control yourself, marry. But it's better not to if you can control yourselves. So put it in the right context. But if you can't, for whatever reason, you're too young or whatever the reason is, if you can't have that marriage relationship, Jesus and Paul give you a way of putting it into context and saying you can channel the eros portion into the other portions. But then this, this little phrase from the Song of Songs is what I want to leave with you. Do not awaken or arouse this passion if you're in the sweet shop and you don't have any money. What does this speak of? It speaks of don't look at pictures or movies. Don't read novels that will start this fuse from to burn. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going out with a boy or a girl and you're not ready to get married, but you say, we're going to just try and start the process, but we're not going to finish. He sa she says, don't awaken or arouse it because it's a tiger. And if you will learn to just put it in its cage, I'm just going to read you one more verse. 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Notice the word learn. He doesn't say just do it. He says learn what turns your switches on. And avoid them. Avoid those stimuli. Avoid that place, that type of person, that type of song, that thing. Avoid it. Learn to control your own body. Learn when you're vulnerable, when you're weak, when you're open to temptation. Learn. Learn how your own body works and learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. He says it's so important. He warns again and again. Okay, I said one more scripture. This is my last one, I promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. From verse 9 onwards, the whole chapter, and the whole of chapter 5, and the whole of chapter 7 are about sex and love. It's amazing, actually, how much he says about it. But there's a little bit in the middle where he says, just be careful. Sexually immoral people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And you can imagine them saying, hey, but I put my hand up and I prayed the sinner's prayer. But I've been at church. But I love my girlfriend. But, 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 but. He says, no, no. All of those are true. That's how you become a Christian, by giving your life to the Lord. But if you have really become a Christian, 
it will change your life and you will not be sleeping with someone you're not married to. And if you are sleeping with someone you're not married to, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He warns them. And I want to, with tears in my eyes, warn. I had a young lady come to me when I was early on in my ministry. And she says, I love this boy. We're not ready to get married. And then as she was leaving, she says, oh, and we slept together the other day. And it broke my heart. And I actually cried. And I said to her, please, do you realize what you're playing with? It's the very flame of God, but if it's not in the furniture, it will burn you up. Paul clearly says, if you are sleeping with someone and you're not married, don't be deceived. You will not get to heaven. If you died in a car crash today and you are sleeping with someone you're not married to, you're not going there. Please, please don't play with this fire. Put it where it belongs. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.